Hey everybody, first big stock market working day of the year, and it's been kind of mixed, but off to a pretty good start, even though Bitcoin and Ethereum seem a little bit weak. But let's talk about what we see so far and some big takeaways as to where we believe the year will go. So let's jump in and make sure my audio and everything is working. Yes, it is. Good. Bingo. So <laughs> here we go. Math, money, and freedom and edutainment. You guys know the drill. So first of all, happy birthday, Bitcoin. This is a little chart I put together. It shows it's a log chart, of course, but it shows you the price of Bitcoin every day of its birthday for the last 13 years. Bitcoin is 13 years old today. It began with five cents and went to 29 cents and then five dollars, 13, 816, then two down years a little bit. Um, and then in year eight, shot from a thousand to 15,000 and then two kind of weaker years. And then year 12, 33,000. And we just finished the last year, 47,000. But the point here, everybody, is zoom out and have a look at the big picture. I know a lot of people, especially a lot of weird messages, people who are very frustrated, you know, they just got in in October or November and hasn't really gone or filled expectations. People were expecting $100,000 Bitcoin, didn't happen. A lot of people are sad about that. But just remember, it's all about time. In time, it'll become good. We'll talk about that as to why today. Let's talk about uh, Bitcoin being the top three assets three years in a row for the third time. Lots and lots of threes here. It's from Charlie Biello. And this is what I mean. So first of all, if you look at this chart uh, very quickly, you will see it is the number one asset class. Of course, it's not comparing things like metaverse tokens, but going by major asset classes over the history of the past 10, 15 years. In 2011 to 2013, that three-year period, Bitcoin number one. 2015 to 2017, Bitcoin number one. 2019 to 2021, Bitcoin number one. You can see the returns for the last three-year cycle aren't anywhere near like the past because that's because this cycle is going to run long for the first time ever. Now, the other key note here is between 2011 and 2021, the annualized return for Bitcoin is 197.2%, which is pretty staggering. So everybody just uh, keep that into account. We'll talk about how some other names can actually outdo some of these performances as well. Let's go back to my three-step area. And this is just kind of a, a thought, a finding, an observation. And I don't know if it's going to hold true or not, but I'm always kind of looking for signs that are out there. So if you look at my three-step thing, you've heard about this. We had step one in the summer. We were flat for 11 weeks. We had step two, uh, flat for a while, period of consolidation, and step three. But the important thing is what happens after a lengthy period of consolidation? And that duration of which can be anywhere from <coughs> four weeks to 11 weeks. The answer is it always goes up. Bitcoin doesn't consolidate and go down. It consolidates, gets accumulated, and then goes up. So I believe, might sound a little bit weird, but I believe after this period of consolidation, which I know is very painful for many, we will go up. So not slinging hopium, just making an observation out there. I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, let's talk about venture capitalists. I know you so many people out there, they hate VCs. Oh, VCs are so bad. They're so evil. 
They're so rich. But listen, everybody, these are the original Freedom Riders. These are the guys that break the mold. These are the guys that trigger innovation. These are the guys that propel the U.S. to the status it has by founding companies like Netscape, like Microsoft, even Facebook, Google, Tesla, you name it. They are all venture capital funded, Amazon as well. Um, these are the people that triggered it all. Now, the key thing about this is if you look at the money that came in, it's spiked. We have venture capital investments in the crypto space up 450% over 2020. And most of that money actually happened after the SEC approved the Bitcoin futures ETF. So think about that. That basically validated the space and triggered venture capitalists to go in hard. Now, I know a lot of you out there as well thinking, oh, well, some names are bad. VCs don't belong in the crypto space. But remember, think about the top performers of 2021. They were all venture capital-based names, mostly. They think of Luna, think of Avalanche, etc. These are all the big names that are behind those companies. So please don't hate on the VCs too much. Now let's talk about uh, pricing follows the hash rate. So this is from Max Kaiser, the Bitcoin maximalist. And he always believes it does happen. And he believes $220,000 is in play. And I actually uh, adhere to that theory as well. After watching Bitcoin for a long time, it does, the pricing does typically follow the hash rate. As the hash rate breaks all new all-time highs, historically, Bitcoin has done the same. So we don't know where we are right now on this, but we'll see. I think uh, Bitcoin hash rate today reached a new high of 203 exahashes, which is starting the year with a bang. There's a number of things that start the year with a bang as well. So more goodness flowing. Thank you to our friends in Italy. If we have anybody there in the audience, generally, just said they will allow their customers to buy Bitcoin. Remember, this is an $87 billion bank, and they're going to open more on-ramps to more customers around the world, just like Sparkasse in Germany late last year. Now we have Italy doing the same thing, and it's just going to snowball. More and more people are going to come into the world. They're going to buy a little bit of Bitcoin. doesn't have to be a lot, but remember, there's so little of it to go around, and that's what makes this interesting. Now, the Nexo CEO, he follows my guidance. Ha <laughs> ha. No, I'm only kidding. This is, uh, but he did say by summer, June, we'd hit $100,000 Bitcoin. My target is 98000 between March and June. So we'll see what happens. But this is the CEO of Nexo. He's a young man. He's only 35 years of age from Bulgaria. And he said, many leading companies are quietly filling up their treasures of Bitcoin. Stuff that I've been alluding to, but haven't been able to prove, but we know it's happening. He just said it's actually happening. And that will be one of the many factors that will boost Bitcoin's value. His name is Anthony Trenchev. And he also sees a couple of things happening with Bitcoin uh, beyond just the adoption, but why it'll double uh, by the middle of this year. First of all, every time Bitcoin is written off, it rallies hard after the fact. And remember that consolidation period I showed you guys? That's an example of people writing Bitcoin. It's like, oh, Bitcoin is dead. It hasn't moved in five weeks. It's... Ugh. Forget it. Let's move on to something silly like, I won't mention the names. But the other thing is the broader macro reality that's uh, the backdrop for Bitcoin. You know, cheap money is here to stay, he believes, and people need crypto as an inflation hedge. And that's going to be a big theme of stuff I'm going to talk about today as well. How people really have to figure out this inflation problem. It's not going away. Um, so let's jump in and talk about that. He also mentioned that Bitcoin is gold 2.0. 
And uh, even if the Fed hikes rates, they will kill themselves and they'll kill the stock market. And political leaders nowadays aren't willing to do this. So we'll talk more about that later. But before we do, let's talk about some of the names off to a flying start. There's many, many to mention, but it's nice to see some names that were kind of sluggish in 2021 boomed so far in 2022. Chainlink had a very nice big move up 26%. Phantom is up a whopping 40%. Cosmos 20% and Polkadot 15%. So some of the names that were kind of, well, Phantom had a good year, but was a little bit flat for a while. I've just exploded at the beginning of this year. And remember we spoke about a couple of times in the last few months is rotation, you know, money cycles in and out of different spaces. So for the other names that haven't been hit yet, that money will cycle back in good time. So speaking of other names, this is about Luna. Pantera Capital CEO says Terra is one of the most promising coins for the coming year. So I'm a big fan of Pantera and our friend here as well. Now, uh, he did say a couple of things. He believes these um, layer ones, Terra stablecoins will be a very hot topic. He saw a huge amount of traction being gained in South Korea gaming industry for the stablecoin. And a ton of other good things are going to happen to this. So that's one of his hot ones. But he also referred to Polkadot going forward too. So that is from our friend at Pantera. Again, a very big fan of everything he does. Uh, his name is Dan Moorhead. So um, his name slipped me for a second. I was like, yeah, Dan, Dan Moorhead. So uh, another good news, uh, Jeremy Siegel, he is my former professor, uh, finance professor at Wharton. He is a top name, written one of the best books in finance as well. He believes Bitcoin ousts gold as an inflation hedge for millennials. But who cares about millennials? That's the big question. I'm going to talk about why they are important. And uh, he did say that uh, there's a couple of things that are fueling this. Um, one, I think his book as well, before I forget, is Stocks for the Long Run. He, he wrote about that, and I read his book a long time ago, and many of the learnings in that book stuck with me, and that's why I have very high conviction on transformational names, which we'll talk about again in a minute. So it's all coming. But uh, he says, let's face the fact, I think Bitcoin as an inflation hedge in the minds of many of the younger investors has replaced gold. And he said, digital coins are the new gold for millennials. So again, many, many know that already, but for him to get out there and say that in CNBC is big news. Now, millennials, let's get back to those guys for a second. I know my audience is heavily, heavily um, full of millennials as well. They are beginning to spend and they are beginning to fuel inflation. And this is a cool article explaining why. So millennials these days have a very different view of the world. They're now splashing out on things like uh, skydiving and Instagrammable vacations like Peru, you know, Machu Picchu and stuff. And they have decent paying jobs and they're buying cars and they're making, they're turning their houses into castles. And uh, so a lot of spending is actually happening for the first time ever. And much of this has been accelerated by C19. So this demograph is extremely important. They also believe, and it ties back into not only Bitcoin and crypto and inflation, but demographics uh, and the shift in spending is also apparently going to help fuel inflation after the long supply chain wrinkles are ironed out and the pandemic subsides, which is also happening. So let's look at the little bit of math for millennials. There's 1.8 
billion of them on Earth, and they make up 23% of the Earth population, and these are now the people spending money. So, if you have a business, these are the people you want to target. Now, let's talk about the stock market for a second. Stock market surged today, thanks to Tesla and Apple. A couple of select names, some people are shaking off C19 concerns, and believe me, that's a good thing. But let's talk about uh, S&P 500, what that means. So first of all, I had to crunch some more numbers today and calculate exactly how big Apple is. Apple makes up 7.5% of the S&P 500, and Tesla now makes up 3% of it. So these two companies alone, forget the other 498 companies, these two make up over 10.5% of the market cap of the S&P 500 because Tesla just hit 1.2 trillion again and Apple hit 3 trillion for the first time. Again, that is just staggering to think. The average market cap of an S&P 500 company is 80 million. But if you take out these big guys, it's much, much lower. So I always speak about the black holes sucking everything in. These are two examples. Now let's talk about Tesla. Had a huge last nine trading days. I know tons of you got some and you're very happy. You're thinking of, should I get out? Should I sell? Had a lot of those questions today. And the answer is, well, I'm holding. I think the next step will be 1500. So I don't mind waiting eight months, six months, three months for that to happen. But that's where I believe we're going next. And uh, a lot of people uh, are just uh, super happy. It's crazy. It will be volatile. It might go back down to a thousand bucks. But I think the days of hitting 850 are now gone for a while barring any black swan event, okay? So let's talk about uh, a couple of things too. You know, a lot of you, uh, we chase alpha here. We don't care where it comes from. If it's in mushrooms, if it's in EV companies, or if it's in layer ones, we chase it. From my list, I look at 100 cryptos on my short crypto list, and Phantom was the number one performer of the cryptos, and the returns on Tesla today was higher than the number one crypto. So... A lot of people think, oh, stocks, they're for boomers. But no, they're for making money. Um, now, let's talk about the professionals out there. It's interesting. I've always been talking about media, mainstream media, financial advisors and all that type of stuff. It is uh, kind of funny. This article talked about uh, how the analysts, the Tesla analysts, whiffed again, i.e. they missed everything. They missed the Q4 deliveries, which were 16% over expectations. Uh, revenue estimates, you name it, etc. But Tesla, as I've been saying and panning the for a long time, it's going to have an incredible year in 2022. And the average analyst target price for Tesla in 2022 is $893. The price now is 1206 bucks. You know, these, these analysts are waiting for Tesla to go back down to this level, so it's crazy. But that includes some good, good analysts too that have it at 1400 1500 and so... So we'll watch that place carefully. Now, Apple, first company to ever hit $3 trillion market cap. And in full disclosure, I sold my Apple during the summer for 150 and I put the money into Tesla Leaps because I believed, I asked myself the question, I think I did it in a video as well. I said, what's more likely to happen? Is Tesla going to hit one and a half trillion or is Apple going to hit four trillion? At the time, Apple was at two trillion. So my, my thesis was, which is more inclined to double faster? And I said, Tesla. And that's where I put my money. And I was right. By the way, Tesla, actually in the same time frame, Apple has gone up 20% since I sold it at 150. Tesla's doubled. That's the way the numbers work. So speaking about inflation and circling the wagons on this a little bit more, the US uh, have now realized we've gone from inflation as temporary to holy shit, we need price controls in the space of a quarter. 
And this is coming, uh, the US government are talking about price controls because they are blaming businesses on inflation, not the money printing. They're blaming businesses. Now, this is important for everybody to kind of listen to and understand. Anyone calling themselves an economist who is a proponent of price controls deserves to be mocked, shamed, and spoken down to. And that came from a Twitter account out there from Hazlitt. Now, it's just it's just crazy what's going on in today's world. But now everybody understands the problem, except the government. And remember, as soon as price controls come into play, this is the last thing that happens that a government does before everything collapses. So price controls bring about market failure. If you start playing with supply, tweaking demand, boom, disaster. And that's why free market economics works. That's why capitalism works. Anyway, enough of that. Let's a quick crypto regulation update from Freddy. Yeah, nothing. So these guys move fast. <laughs> I, I did a little bit of trolling today on Twitter. It was kind of funny. But anyway, um, the SEC and the regulators, they're playing some games and they want to build something that makes sense and that brings more regulatory clarity to crypto. Um, but we'll see where they go. Fingers crossed, they'll get it right and they'll move relatively fast. Now, this was another one from Pomp today. It was a cool tweet. One of my top 36 predictions I did in my 2022 prediction list was the fact that mainstream media would really die a pretty rapid death in 2022. And this tweet from Pomp highlights the fact that Joe Rogan and his Joe Rogan experience gets over 14 times more viewership than CNN. Think about that for a second. <laughs> Joe Rogan podcast. And uh, the truth is, and even going back to the examples of the analysts for Tesla, you know, you're better off looking at analysts on Twitter and YouTube for Tesla than the professionals that come out of big traditional financial institutions. So the world is changing. It's changing very fast. So with that, uh, I think that's it. Hope you like this content. And subscribe if you haven't already. It's going to be a fun year. And this is where you get the most KPM knowledge per minute out there. So I have to... Oh, I got some questions. Awesome. A big thank you as well to the moderators and K8 for organizing everything for me and keeping me organized. So before I jump in, I'm going to drink some water. Super thirsty today. Okay. And I hope you all started the year off with some exercise. Very important. This question is from Andrew C. I FOMO'd into Chainlink at $42. I just recently came into some more fiat. Should I buy more to get my cost average down or just wait it out and huddle and spend somewhere else? And what's up with the shroom coffee? Well, mushroom coffee, it's a, <laughs> it's a new thing I've been doing for quite some time. And it gives you a tremendous burst of energy without a lot of caffeine get energy from the mushrooms. Now, in terms of your question of Chainlink, I hold Chainlink. It's probably my sixth or seventh biggest bag right now. But I would rather be in things like Terra Luna, Phantom, Solana than Chainlink, to be honest. Uh, Chainlink is doing well. I do believe it'll hit 50. But the question is, what else could double from here or more than double? And that's what I'm looking for. So normally, if you do have high conviction in a name and you got in too high, you bought a top, I would average down just to be able to get back to my break even quicker. But in this case, there's too many other good buys out there. Um, and we'll see. And the chain link 
tokenomics is not perfect. In fact, there are many other names that are actually a lot better. So that's a big factor. In fact, I can I can do one of the things I want to do as well is do a kind of an update of where we are with Chainlink, and I'm doing a, a deep dive into a couple of other names for you as well, just to refresh some of my stuff that I did from last year because things do change with tokenomics. So Swift Tropics. Why do Bitcoin's earliest adopters manipulate the market and actually hurt newer adopters? One would assume an early adopter would be a steward of Bitcoin's mission. On-chain analysis shows different. Why? That's a very good question. Uh, humans are inherently greedy, most of them. And if there's a, a bunch of money on the table, they're just going to grab it. There's very few people that would be selfless. And even though Satoshi was a philanthropic natured person trying to fix a big problem in the world. Um, there are people that do have a lot of crypto early on. And remember as well, the early adopters aren't necessarily the whales. Some of the whales have actually come in in recent years and bought cheaper, like buying Bitcoin at 300, 600 a couple of years ago, $3,000, and they became whales. Or some people inherited crypto, and it doesn't take a lot. Again, as I mentioned, you can crash the market with 8,000 Bitcoin. So um, that's just one of the things. Humans, most are bad. Some are very good. So I hope that helps with Tropics. Craig M., when trading profitable call options, why do you more usually exercise them at expiry or sell the options back to the market without buying the shares? So what I'm trying to do, because my portfolio, I try to keep it in thirds, as you know, one third real estate, one third safe haven assets that I can generate perpetual income off, and then one third very speculative assets. I start with speculative long-term call options. And then once they stabilize and I want them to be my new third of a third of a portfolio, like my three big equity positions are Google, MicroStrategy, and Tesla. Tesla just became uh, I think one of my biggest positions, but when I have leaps that convert every year, I want to be able to bring them in and own the actual stock itself. So I'm doing things like, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I'll be buying uh, Google at a thousand bucks a share. It's at 3000 now. So it's like you're getting 65% off when you buy it, but that takes cash to buy it. So things that I want to keep long-term that I believe in for three to five years long-term, I want to hold equity. I don't want to... Um, cash out because if I do that I have to pay taxes on the gains first of all and second of all uh, I'd rather just do cover calls against my big equity positions to generate perpetual income and I can do that uh, through timing the market very well so that's why I do that Craig uh, the stuff that I don't want long term like stuff like trade desk made a thousand percent two thousand three thousand percent on some of the synthetic longs and um, I got rid of that because I believed at ninety five dollars and I sold last Friday end of the year it was topped out same thing with nextera energy sold out um and my biotech names so the things i i kind of ride till i believe they're tired i get out things that i believe will continue going up over long term i hold sk what would you say is the safest potential 2x coin or equity this year keep seeing people talking about 10x and i don't think it's likely this year well sk you're dead right the days of 10x and 100x are very few and far between right now. We had a crazy year. Um, when I look at some of the valuations of some of the names that are out there, uh, they are overvalued. I think this year will be the year where it's kind of put up or shut up or go away, which means 
chains need to start delivering and executing and showing and proving value. And that's where the 95% will fall away pretty fast. Now, there are names that I'm very bullish on, um, names that I think will, a whole bunch will still 2x from here. Like, you know, you've got Solana, 170. Yeah, that's going to go to 400. You've got Ethereum, should go to 8,000, 9,000 because of the deflationary. And hopefully, that's if ETH 2.0 is a success. Uh, Luna should hit 200. So you still have a lot of those names. But I want people to think in terms of, you know, traditional financial markets. Uh, this was 2021 was an incredible year for crypto, like 5x on one of the slowest horses, which is Ethereum, which is still massive. Um, but when you compare that to other stuff, you know, think about chasing alpha in safer places with less risk. So think about opening up. So I think you're dead right with that mindset. Think 2x, maybe 3x for certain names, but we have to see how it goes. You know, then again, this whole gaming industry could really explode. And if that happens, maybe those 10x is available in some of the gaming names. And I'm still trying to figure out um, which ones, but I have a terrible aversion to inflationary tokens. So that's keeping me out for now. And also, I can't forecast the growth of these games and how stable that growth will be over time. And, but when I keep on going back to my old metrics of calculating the cost per user based on market cap, the valuations are just ridiculous. So Caligula for Ashton and Alabama. Thoughts on GameStop's NFT marketplace on Loopring that's coming soon. I saw OpenSea's market cap was valued somewhere around $11 billion, the same as GameStop whole company. Yeah, well, first of all, the GameStop valuation is ridiculous. It is silly highs like AMC and all those meme stocks. And uh, I analyzed Loopering about three times and I walked away every time. So when, when chains pin their hopes, imagine, give you an analogy of the way I think about this. Imagine you're GM and you're advertising your newest truck and the feature is a tailgate that turns into a stairs off the back of the truck. And you're so proud of this feature. And then you say, well, I'm going to be the person that makes the lights for the back of that truck. And you're so proud. You're pinning your hopes to something that's already kind of toast. That's why I don't like Loopring. All of the hope for Loopring and some of the other problems with it are pinned on attaching themselves to something that's already dying. And I know NFTs are hot, but the fact that, you know, you've got, you've got other names like Blockbuster, dead Blockbuster trying to get out there. You've got People who own Theranos stock shares want to turn them into NFTs to try and make some money. Um, everybody's just pinning their hopes on, let's turn it into an NFT and hope for the best. Maybe we can make billions. Um, and I just, I just don't do that. So I don't touch anything that's dead. I touch things that are changing the future, very disruptive stocks. And that's why I don't like Loopring for now. But that doesn't mean Loopring won't explode. <laughs> Anything can happen in this market, but I prefer safer assets. And uh, by the way, everybody, uh, my conservative quant approach with the team here has worked very, very well in 2021 of identifying winners and losers. We can see them from a mile away. So we'll continue what works and not speculate on garbage out there. I'm not saying Loopring is garbage, but GameStop, <laughs> it's, it's like a blockbuster. So in my opinion, I don't want to offend any meme stockholders out there. Crypto Poppy, 
If price action isn't above 4,000 when ETH2 lockup is released in March, will that trigger huge sell pressure? It depends, Crypto Poppy. That's a great question regarding the sell pressure at the end of March for the lockup. Some people believe they'll stake again to uh, get more tokens. Also, the lockup will be gradual. It's not going to be big bang. Everything's going to be released at the end of March. It'll be gradual. There will be some sell pressure, but depending on exactly how deflationary Ethereum is and how much adoption comes, I'm watching very carefully some of the metrics around ETH growth. And as long as they can not shrivel below where they are now, they should be fine. I don't see that as a big issue, but I'll definitely be watching that date uh, very carefully myself. And as I say, if I could rebalance with that tax implications, I would, uh, but I can't. So next question is from C. I'm set in crypto. Want to start buying Tesla each month. Should I DCA or wait for a level? So check out um, one of my TA videos. It's called DCAing on steroids. It uses technical analysis to identify bottoms and tops and use that. Um, don't necessarily... Uh, yeah, DCAing is kind of one of those things just to help your average investor. But if you can use tools, you can be patient. As I always say, be the sniper in the woods. Wait. Put money aside and wait and wait and be patient. And then snap gears. If you look at uh, Tesla, I mean, it has been massively volatile from 850, 1200, back to 1050, back up to 1180, all the way back to 900 and just like that. So just time your entry points and be disciplined. Sometimes what I do as well, I just leave limit orders out there in my Ameritrade account and wait for them to hit. And you'd be surprised how often they do. So set your traps be patient. It'll come to you and don't chase, especially now because it's approaching that overbought level. Um, so that's what I would recommend see. So Ewaragon, most coins link uni.eth all retested August prices. What's stopping Solana from retesting August prices around $100 before continuing to upside? Um, I look at the chart now, Solana, It just looks really, really strong. And again, with adoption. So there's lots of things happening that are very good to the ecosystem, especially around things like font, phantom wallet to wormhole and integrations. And it's going to start ramping up again. But right now, let me see, where were we in August? Remind myself, 100, no way. I think worst case scenario for us, if there is a big downdraft, it'll be around 150. 156. The last time I bought Solana was at 156. And that's where you could go. We're 171 right now. But uh, I think what we're going to see as well as a rotation, like we saw before, you know, Phantom's getting a lot of limelight right now. And other names, even Harmony One, which is not one of my favorites, but that's red hot right now. And things will rotate over. Once these get too frothy, people sell off and they move into other things. So, uh, I don't see, I definitely don't see us going below 156 again. Not not unless, again, something really, really bad happens. Ryan Promer, what's your take on Sailor's orange check idea to get rid of all spam on the internet by posting sats as collateral for verification and digital consequences? It's great. I had, at the beginning of 2021, I had very high hopes for things like social networks going onto blockchains where you could actually verify or empower individuals to control content Right now, um, you know, I did a it was a New Year's Day post on YouTube, 
saying, hey, don't expect a video today. I'm taking a day off, hanging out and uh, having a glass of wine. And the I have a spam service that keeps the spammers off my videos, but a community post is not protected. So absolutely, I would invest heavily in that orange check idea um, and just get rid of all these scammers because they make... The, you know, we spend, I personally spend a lot of time. We've got people like Caligula. He helped me kill some spammers over the weekend as well. We have people work for us, kill the spammers. We have a paid service killing the spammers. The last thing we ever want to do is see a fake picture of me with a phone number for WhatsApp. And people call them up and say, you know, some call center in some far-flung place and then lose all their crypto. That That's what makes us very upset. So... We spend a huge amount of time, so I would invest heavily. We already pay a lot for the service to get rid of spammers, but we'll see. So yes, Ryan, great question. I would love for that to happen, and it will happen. The blockchain will be verifiable. People's curricular vitae's will be online, and their reference checks and their experience will all be there, and it'll all be authenticated and verifiable in public. So I hope for that day will come soon. Rock Dogs. Are you or have you looked into the full note for Bitcoin and supporting the movement by joining the Lightning Network? Yes, believe it or not. Thank you to a valued member of the team here. I actually have a node here right with me. It's just not turned on yet. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to make that happen for sure. Rock Dogs, thank you for that note. We have the equipment. We have the technology. I just haven't had the time to turn it on yet. I wish I could call up a help desk and somebody could help me fire it up. But yeah, that's going to happen real soon. And thank you for donation as well. Uh, Paul Milcham, Sinad, uh, Dog One, Playing With Pastels, JF, Tunas on Toast, Jeff Hammer, Corn, Joxy37, Bad Pangolin. Good to see you, buddy. First time this year. Same with uh, Jeff Hammer. And A2K5000 and Tiger. Big thank you all for being here. Um, hang tough, everybody. Select names are pumping. Other names aren't. It's only a matter of time. I don't know if it's going to be a week from now, a month from now, three months from now, six months from now, but Bitcoin's going to pop. So it, while it is down here at this 47K level where we've been for 32 days, DCA and use it as your money market account. And uh, it's the scarcest asset on earth. Big thank you, everybody, for being here. And thank you to the mods. Keeping us safe. Bye.